Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. You know where you are? You're in the jungle, baby. Prepare to die. Good morning. Welcome to another fantastic, exciting episode of Revolution Gathering. Oh, well, folks. Who's ready for a happy talk? Well, I'm sorry. We don't do happy talks here. Um, <laughs> well, we try. Um, so I'm going to be doing a, a, some 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 acrobats, acrobatics today. Um, because I've I've had an extremely tough week. This is usually where I, you know, just try to. Talk about the kids and everything like that. Kids are great. Kids are great. Um, <sighs> kids, man, thank God for my kids. That's what all I have to say. They, they, kids keep me grounded. They keep me where I need to be. Um, so I have a lot going on. And I'm in the midst of, 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 uh, turmoil in my life. So for me and and my work is part of my work is to share my life experiences with you through theology and philosophy and good music. Beep, 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 beep. Um and my talking, speaking of course. Hopefully we'll do some good books and things like that soon. Um, but yeah, it's been, been a, been, been a kind of rough couple of weeks since I got back from, from Belfast. Um, now I just want to go back to Belfast for a little bit, to be honest with you. Um, but you know, we've all had a really rough year, I think a rough couple of years at this point. Um, you know, COVID has changed everything and, and and life is bizarre. I mean, we're trying to get back to normal, but, you know, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of good news out there. Um, I was excited. I got to spend some time with a friend of mine from Minnesota yesterday who was in town and we went and looked at records and talked about life and life's troubles and suffering and and uh, the complexities of words nowadays and and uh, yeah it was interesting anyway um, yeah I'm going through a, a, a tough time and and so I want to always bring that stuff with me 
to this and to my work and in my work. Um, my work has uh, always been very personal. Um, I've always felt like I live my work, not just, you know, and, and so sometimes that makes it tough is when there's, when there's not, um, you know, I try to have boundaries, you know, with, with my personal life a little bit. I think it's important. I've learned that over time. Um, but it's not always easy to share with you folks what life is, what's going on in life. But I know you guys are going through a lot too um, in dealing with that. So, you know, I've grown up with a lot of trauma in my life and also dealing with depression as well. And depression and trauma uh, seem to like to go hand in hand. And I, I've been really working through that a lot. And stripping down to really essence of almost a, a very frightening essence of um, um, of of of, of the, the suffering of, of the of the trauma of the original traumas in my life, and uh, it's it's hard to face, and it's hard to also hard to look at things that you've seen your whole life and realize that you've seen them through a perspective that wasn't true because your mind and your heart was trying to cope with the things that you lived through, that the things that you survived. Um, and so you, your perspective and your defense mechanisms come in and almost project a different history. And then you start to see it in a different way. And, you know, it's like, like the scales coming off of your eyes when Paul could see again. Um, when he got his sight back, it, 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 it's, it's not always easy. So we're going to go through this and I'm going to try to be as kind to, to the folks that I'm, that I'm dealing with and the situations that I'm dealing with and to myself as well. Um, and hopefully we can all kind of grasp something from the mit, being in the midst of suffering. Um, the first thing I wrote down when I was doing my notes this morning was broken. And, you know, that's how I kind of feel. Um, I have had a history of my life of reaching out uh, and wanting to love the impossible people. You know, always wanting to be heard by those who were almost impossible, almost like they became like a challenge or, or, or a special object um, that if I could reach these people, folks, or I could talk to these people. I've done it in my work most of my life, uh, and, I've, and I've done it in my personal relationships. I've done it with, with my parents, you know, um, where it was like, I want to, you know, it's like, this is going to, if it, like, I thought I was filling the void in my life with collections and things, and lately I've been getting rid of things. Yesterday I sold a bunch of clothes. Um, you know, I've been giving away a lot of stuff, uh, getting rid of just, you know, things I don't need, you know, just kind of simplify my life a little bit. Um, even my kids gave away a bunch of their old toys and that was really wild, you know, and my son was emotional about it. We talked about it and it was a really great experience. Um, cause it's very easy to, to, to try to hold on to things and, and use them as, as instead of your memory, instead of your, you know, you don't really mourn anything. You just keep it around and think, well, this is my connection. You know, this is my, 
my sacred object. And we often get those. Um, but what I think is life can be very lonely at times, and I think we all go that, and people cruel. And also people who are dealing with their own stuff are busy with their own lives. And so you can often get caught into a cycle of loneliness or shame and where you feel like you're too much or you're too little. Usually those two go hand in hand with other folks. And um, I've often felt that in my life. I either feel like I like completely pull back, which a lot of you know me to do quite often. Um, but there's also times with particular people where I push forward and, and maybe I do too much. And um, those are hard things to look at. And it's also hard because I feel like society sets an ideal of how we're supposed to treat each other and how we're supposed to react to rejection with one another and hurt and pain. And everybody's, you know, will give you, it's like you get the same advice from 20 different people in just different ways, you know. Um, and, I, and I think that's one of the things I love about punk rock and even like the Joker in um, the Batman, the Heath Ledger Joker, where... Um, you know, he's like, let's put a little chaos, you know, a little chaos, add a little chaos to life, you know. And I like the idea of having a little chaos in the world that's so set to saying that this is how we have to deal with it. And I like to see, are there other ways that we can, we can live our lives and deal with these issues? And so the Bible, in a lot of ways, uh, almost pushes some of this chaos in, in a way, you know, um, that's why it talks about the peace that passes all understanding because it's asking us to do things that might be a little bit chaotic um, at times. And I find that really interesting, uh, to say the least. But not cruel, you know, and I think often... It's funny that sometimes we're often willing to say what we stand against and what we don't like rather than say out loud what we love and what we care about. Um, you know, sometimes we, we're louder about the bad things than we are the good things. And I guess that's just human nature. Um, the thing I like about this community, the revolution community, is that this is not uh, a community where we have to put on a happy face. Um, this is not where you come in Sunday and go, "Ha, ah, how are you doing? You know, we've got Sunday best on. You know, I, I, I had the same shirt on yesterday. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's come as you are, literally come as you are. And uh, that's how I've come. You know, it's not like, hey, you guys come as you are, and I'll, I'll be together for you. You know, you can live through me. No, no. It's, we're all broken in this. We're all going through a darkness at times together. Um, and then there's some of you who aren't going through that, so you're here and going like, hey, you know what? What can I do to help? What can I do to encourage each other? I, I watch you guys talk to each other all the time. You know, it's really kind of beautiful, like, to see the rabbit trails take off in the comment section, you know, and it's nothing to do with me, you know, it's people encouraging one another, you know, uh, one of the folks, you know, uh, recently lost someone, and it was like, before I could even get and say anything, you know, you guys were talking and, 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 and mourning together and sharing your experiences and strengths, you know, and 
And for me, that's community. Um, sorry, I'm struggling to get through this, but guys, I, I'm in pain. I'm, I'm hurting, going through shit. Um, haven't sorted it out quite yet. So there you go. <laughs> um, Pain is part of life. It's just realization of life. Life is suffering. I, I feel like we often suffer more than we, we are happy. We hold happiness as a sacred thing, and I think that we have to kind of let go of this idea of happy and learn to just live life on life's terms in a lot of ways because I think there's other emotions that are so worth being explored, and they do make us different people. I feel like in the past two weeks, I've, I've realized so many new things about myself and, and who I am and had to come to some really tough realizations. Um, so what do we do you know, so pain is just a part of life, but it doesn't make it any easier, really, you knowing that, you know, like, oh, we all suffer, we all go, but it doesn't be, we, we should not, because we suffer less, or someone suffers more, or we suffer more, and they suffer less, I don't think those, that's, that's a, a, win, a losing situation that only actually causes, guess what, more suffering. Um, so what do we do, you know, everybody talks about time, so one of the things I've, I've gone through is I went through a breakup. And so um, people talk about time, you know, like, and it's true, time does heal a lot. Um, but the thing is that's important about the time is what you do with that time. Um, for example, uh, one of the things I did that I, I regret now looking back is when my mother died and then a week later, me and my wife separated, uh, my first marriage. Um, I like kind of handled it for about a few weeks. And then I just jumped into a new relationship and jumped into work and just said, okay, well, I've got this new beautiful girlfriend. I've got this new, you know, I'm just gonna focus on New York and this work and and I went, like, had this horrible pain, and then I just jumped into a three-year relationship that was very hollow and shallow. And, and what happened when I got out of that relationship is I fell apart because I didn't deal with what was going on. So time can heal a, a multitude of wounds, but it can also just be putting off the mourning process. So what I've learned is it's very important to mourn loss, even in relationships. The struggle is, is when you have to mourn the living. Um, <clears throat> I also had a falling out, and I, I don't want to get too particular about this situation yet because I feel like I'm still in the middle of it <laughs> with a family member. You guys can make guesses if you want. Um, but it, it, it was just a breakdown in communication, and uh, it got really bad, and it really hurt. And... Um, it's something I've been dealing with my whole life. Um, and so I feel like right now I'm, 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 I'm grieving the living. Uh, it's hard to love people when you don't feel love back. And so sometimes you push so hard that you just want to hear anger, you want to hear anything, you want any kind of emotion just to say, 
can you hear me? You know, because you might as well be yelling at a grave in some ways. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. And um, to mourn the living. But it's something that I think, you know, for me, one of the questions I asked myself recently, just this week, was have I failed, have I failed at grace? But it wasn't that I didn't try, which grace isn't about trying. It isn't that I wasn't working on, on, on reconciliation with with my dad, um, it was that I was working really hard on it and, and nothing was happening. And um, no response. And it's amazing how that creates such a loneliness of, of, of beyond death. Um, I respect I love and respect people who don't love and respect me. I, I've done that my whole career. I've done my whole life. I've done it with a lot of the people that, who haven't treated you well. I've loved them. And, and some of you, I've hurt some of you because of that. And I, I, I can't apologize for that. All I can say is that my hope is, is that they would stop hurting you by my relationship with them and that eventually they'd have a relationship with you and realize how lovely you were and how lovely your people and your community and people like that are. Um, that's always been my goal. I, I, I've learned it through Martin Luther King Jr.'s work, uh, through Tillich's work. Even Hegel talks about the importance of when we come, even when we argue face-to-face, -face, that there's a recognition of humanity when we are able to even disagree well. Um, and I think we miss that sometimes. By closing people out, we miss the idea of the recognition of humanity that we can even get through anger and through arguing. And, and we're told, well, that doesn't do anything. It doesn't mean anything. No, there is still a, recogni a recognition, recognition, recognition of one's humanity. Even if it's unconscious, there is a recognition of the humanity that is there. And I think that was what was so important with, 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 with the marches that uh, Dr. King did, the nonviolent marches. And then when they were beat down, is what happened is when these TV cameras saw them, people saw humans you know it wasn't just like the our idea of what though well this is how black people are and this is how white people are they, they they saw the actual humanity of these people and and um hu human suffering and human connection that was 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 chaos but it but there was a recognition of this is there's humanity here it might have not been magic and get everything we want but it changed things and when we recognize one another's humanity, at least there's that. So it becomes very tough when we don't recognize each other's humanity or right to exist. And I think this is something that our LGBTQ brothers and sisters can speak on quite strongly. And um, I always loved my, 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 my Christian LGBTQ brothers and sisters who just wanted to go to church, you know? And some of you stayed in churches that just were not affirming or welcoming, and I don't know how you've done it, and I encourage it sometimes just so you can see things change, but I know it's easier said than done, but I've seen some of you do it. 
you know, because you love the community, you love the family, and you're just like, well, damn it, I'm going to go. This is where I want to be. You know, I just want to go to church. Shit, I don't want to go to church. I wouldn't go to, you know, I don't even call Revolution Church anymore. <laughs> but man, I respect the hell out of it. And I think there's a lot we can learn from those communities who've been denied by their family and been ostracized by their family. And not always by family who they're like, I'm better off without them. Those are usually the stories we hear. But often it's stories, these, I love my parents. You know, that's, and I'm still going to love them even though they don't seem to have any emotion towards me. And I think the worst thing that the church can do is tell people to cut other people off. I think that's horrific. I think it's horrific when we do it to our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. And I think it's horrific when we do it to people because they're Republicans or they like Donald Trump or because they have these things that we cut people out and we just treat them as though they don't matter anymore. Because you don't realize the power that showing someone that they matter, even if it's an enemy, the change that you impact on their life, the, the switch that happens. In my work, I've seen so many people come to me and say, what changed my mind, what led me to repentance was that it was someone refused to stop loving me because I recognized the humanity there, because they recognized my humanity in the midst of my own prejudice and my own faults, and they still loved me. That's what's so powerful about grace. So how do we give grace to those who have rejected and cut us out? Damn, it's tough. You know, me and Zoe used to talk about grace from a distance, you know, but I always saw the grace towards a distance towards the hostile people that were putting us in danger. So we kind of just love from a distance, you know, but then there's those people who just completely say, I don't want to hear you anymore. I don't want to see you anymore. I can't be around you anymore. And I'm sure that speaks loudly that there are feelings there, then there are emotions there. If you think about it like psychoanalytically, that what they're saying is almost as, I mean, what they're not saying is almost more powerful than what they even could say, that there's a recognition of damage there. But that's hard to continue to remind yourself in when it causes you so much pain and suffering. And to be in the midst of pain and suffering is some of the hardest times for us to give grace. And I think that's why I focus a lot on Paul and, you know, and Jesus, but a lot on Paul because Paul's, you know, getting dragged out of the city. He's being beaten. More than likely, Paul was married and had a family that he was ostracized from when he converted to Christianity. And they probably literally had a burial for him and saw him as being dead. And so I think that's why I've always related to Paul a little bit in, in those areas is because I know what that's like. It's interesting being divorced and having children is because that relationship has to continue on with the, with the ex-wife. It's not like we're done, right? you know? And sometimes it's really, really tough and sometimes it's really, really great and there's these moments where you just click and you celebrate your children and it becomes about your children and you almost move into a, like a sibling type of thing and uh, it's kind of interesting, right? Um, 
And how do we do it and stay true to ourselves? Now, I don't have all the answers for that. You know, I don't have all the answers of how do we <laughs> navigate this situation. That's why I'm going to an analyst. That's why I've gone to therapy my most life. But how do we analyze, I mean, how do we navigate being true to ourselves? And so sometimes what I do is my heart, following my heart often gets me in trouble. But sometimes I just follow my heart and just say what I need to be said. And whatever reaction comes, or if no reaction comes, that's what happens. I, I, I sent a text this morning just of, of love and gratitude. You know, I probably won't hear anything back, but I wanted to make it clear that that love and gratitude was there. Um, I, I've never been one of those that good boys that kind of, you know, it's funny. It's like with my friends, they'll all disappear for a while. A lot of you know that. But when people reject me, sometimes I'm don't, I don't always like to go go completely quietly in the night, and um, and that's a tough situation. You know, and it's so easy to want to just take the the low road and demonize those folks. Um, but I think sometimes you have to accept the fact and let people go um, because I think that is giving grace to yourself and grace to them and you don't know what's going to happen in the future or not but sometimes you just have to let things go. And, but I think you have to mourn it. I think you have to mourn the living and it's a horrific thing to do and it feels it goes against instincts, but there's some times where people just say, you're out, you're done, there's a wall, and you can't get past it. And um, no matter how much it hurts, you know, so there's this radical acceptance sometimes in our lives that we have to practice, and I learned that in dialectic behavioral therapy, is this radical acceptance of a situation that we don't want to accept, but we just have to say, this is the situation. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I have to do right now. I have to accept. Matter of fact, I have to respect this human being's ideal of not <clears throat> wanting to be in my life. You know. So I'm talking about family as well as a partner. You know, I'm, I'm talking about two, two types of love and different types of situations. And I've dealt with this with friends. Um, I see Beth on here making comments. So like Beth knows, like there was a lot of people when I grew up at Heritage USA with bodyguards and security guards. You know, I had to mourn a lot of living people because I thought those some of those people were my family and like playmates. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't allowed to talk to them or they weren't allowed to talk to me. I don't know all this. I was a kid. But, you know, early on, it was mourning the living and, and people gone and people disappearing and, and people I cared about, you know, just disappeared. That, you know, some of those folks raised me more than my own parents. Um, and I, I thought about this idea in, in a 12-step where you let go and let God, you know, you kind of have to just give it to God. <laughs> I don't know what God is anymore, but God may be the void that we feel within us, and, and maybe we... We should be comfortable with that because there's something there to speak to our heart about it. 
Um, but maybe just let it go within to that void, you know, and, and practice radical acceptance. And radical acceptance as part of that is also mourning those situations because this is stuff that we want to let go. Um, we want to mourn. We want to feel sad about. Um, maybe even doing something to symbolize it. I, I, you know, being an introvert and being so, you know, introverted and, and, and kind of a, not really a shut-in, but, you know, just a loner type, you know, but I, but I still have all this, like, passion and love to give. That's why I do this work. I have so much I want to share, you know, and sometimes when you find the the vehicles or the things that you want to share that love and that passion with and it shuts down, it's just, it's like, have I lived my whole life wrong? <laughs> Should I have 25, 30 friends to talk to? Um, I am going to bring up one scripture today and it's, it's a hellishly dark scripture. So I'm going to give you guys a few minutes to prepare. Um, very, very, it, it may be the, the darkest verse, the darkest scripture in the Bible. What could it be? Um, you know, but I was thinking about what do you do like when my mom died and when someone you love passes away and, and I've had friends pass away and a lot of us have dealt with loss like that. Um, you know, you have memories, good and bad, and you reflect on them. And usually at first you think of all the good memories and, and things like that. And that's what often happens with, with, the, with, 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 with mourning the living as well. You, oh, you live in all these good things, you know. Um, but it, as the time goes, as you mourn, as you grow, you know, and for, for, for my mother, I'm constantly mourning. I've been mourning for however long she's been gone. 2007 is when she passed. Um, but, you know, there are also the times you remember the things that, that weren't so great, you know, the, the arguments and the, you know, and the confusing things, that, you know, and that, so, you know, sometimes my mother could send out very confusing signals to me as a kid, like, you know, if things were okay or not okay, you know, and, and so you remember those too, because you remember the whole thing, the whole person, if you can, you know, not, not to saintonize, we shouldn't saint, make saints out of the dead. Um, because we can never live up to those expectations unless we're dead, <laughs> and then people will canonize us. Um, but it, it, it's also embracing the, the contradictions within the people. And, and in some ways, it allows you to embrace the contradictions within yourself. Now, here's the strange thing is, is it's one, we've also, all of us have probably done this to other people for one reason or the other. And so I think it, it causes us to go, well, what do we do in that situation? And often we were doing what we needed to do for ourselves. And it wasn't out of a lack of compassion for others or love for others, but it was just because we didn't know what else to do or we were avoid feeling, what, you know, feeling bad or feeling guilty or feeling certain emotions. And so it became what, you know, this, this system that we create, this coping mechanism to just, you know, and I do that too. That is one of my big coping mechanisms. And I think that's why it's hard for me is because when you start to see some of yourself in these situations, you realize, well, it's either time to just be, continue to be an asshole 
or it might be time for me to recognize that I have to change the way I do things in my own life and the way I respond to hurt and the way I respond to pain and the way I respond to rejection or the way I respond to those who I have to reject in my life or change the nature of one's relationship with, you know? So this is a tough thing. I, I, it feels very exposing and I don't like it. Um, and I'm usually pretty transparent but it doesn't feel like you're seeing through my soul. It seems like I'm like, like a hairless ape right now. Um, problem is with living, you can still reach out, but it might as well be calling the dead or worse. It's like, like loving a zombie, you know? It's just, it's just more pain. It's just more conflict. And you have brains or, you know, whatever they say, you know, and whatever if zombies, when they do talk, you know. Um, so, so, so that's not always the best situation. So what I'm trying to do is navigate here is saying sometimes you just have to respect the dead and still remember them and still love them and, you know, hope for resurrection but don't expect it because resurrection doesn't very often happen, does it? So anyway, but one of the things that I realized this morning is when I was sitting here and I'm, I'm sitting in, in the coffee shop and I'm looking at my Bible sitting there and I'm looking at my notes and I'm, I'm feeling very painful. And, um, and I'm thinking about this idea of loving, uh, how did I put it? Uh, yeah, about loving those who don't, who doesn't feel like they love you. Maybe they actually love you a lot, but that's and that's might be a big reason why the wall. I mean, like I said, silent. Like words and lack of words are very important. We always have like, don't tell me your words, show me your actions. But if you listen to much psychoanalysis, words are very important, and, and often speak the truth. Um, you just have to know how to read it. Um, But anyway, I'm not going to get into how to tell when people are lying or things like that or overcompensating, but you get it, right? Um, but loving those who don't love you is kind of part of the Jesus deal. So that's what all of a sudden, speaking of zombies, <laughs> little Jesus joke there, folks. Um, uh, like I said, this is a dark one. Um, like I have all black on, it's very gothic. Um, yes, read Steve Peters, what Steve Peters is writing. I, I love what Steve has to say, and I'm so happy that Steve is here this morning because he always adds so much to this. And um, read what I don't even think I'm going to do a QA today. I just think you need to look at what Steve's saying because Steve is really great. Um, and for me and Steve, like, you know, 
in a way, I believe in resurrection because me and Steve have, have, have connected in a way that I feel has resurrected so much of my mom. It has been so wild to have Steve in my life and have someone who under, like me and my mom had this understanding, like we could go to the house, go home after shopping and then just go to our own rooms and just do our own thing and things like that. And me and Steve are able to have that relationship where it doesn't, we don't have, it's not a con, doesn't have to be a constant thing. Um, but it, we always know how valuable we are to each other. And it's really kind of a beautiful thing. And I'm grateful for it. You know, the type of person who reaches out and says, hey, I know you're going through a lot of shit and this is a time when you shut down, so no worries, but I just want to let you know I love you and care about you. And so that's in ways, sometimes those resurrections happen through other relationships. Um, and man, sometimes there's something better on the other side of it. I know that sounds so cliche as shit, but, you know, or you become a stronger person and you help someone else get through it. And I'll tell you, there's times where I've helped people get through shit and it is just so rewarding that it just, you know, you're like, it's, I don't want to say like, oh, I'm so grateful that that horrible thing happened to me. Um, it's not that, but you just, it adds purpose to suffering. And having purpose to suffering is, is not, not a horrible thing. It actually, it's redemption. And I think a lot of our suffering is redeemable. That's the cool thing about life. Um, I mean, that was the cool thing about the 12-step program is I'm in there with everybody who we're all suffering from the same thing and we're all helping each other out. And that's what's keeping us there and helping us redeem that time. And had we not been at that time, these other people might be dead and we might be dead. And it's just a pretty cool situation. I, I would love to see more gatherings and people in churches and things act that way. And I think they will. Um, so, so part of loving people who don't love back or put up walls is kind of a Jesus thing, right? Um, um, how's that for good news? Hmm. And I guess what, some of the things, what I, what I, what I'm trying to do here is, is ask yourselves and myself is that we put our shoes on and that we, we go out and we do this stuff that we, that we're, that, you know, this is, these are changing or that we at least ponder on it and think about it and wait for those moments to show up. Because um, I believe that that happens. I've seen so many of you, I can't even tell you how grateful I am. Um, grow from some of my work and I was just shocked. I mean, to tell you how unworthy I felt my most of my life is even, even my work sometimes I don't feel like it's worth anything. Um, but loving your enemies is one thing. Loving those who just cut you out is so tough. It's like an impossible mountain to climb. Um, I know it's like you got unstable preacher today, but you know what? How many stable, how many broken ass pastors, and I'm not a pastor, I don't like to use that word anymore, but how many broken ass people have you seen show up on stage and just, hey, everybody? Like I remember one time me and my dad, sat down and had an argument, a, a, a huge theological argument about being gay affirming and why I was gay affirming and why he should be gay affirming. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I won the argument. Now I was supposed to be on his TV show following this. And I'm like, well, I'm just gonna go. And he's like, we've, we've got a show to do. And I went, I, what? We just, no, we got a show to do. 
and we did the show, you know, and, um, It is what it is, but you know, I don't ever want to have an atmosphere like that. I don't want to sell something that's not real. I mean, we, you know, when you see somebody three times a week or once a week, like here, you know, and if I'm just like, oh man, it's great and grace is cool and loving your enemies is awesome and I'm doing all, I'm not doing awesome. It sucks. It beats me up. It hurts. It's painful. So when I ask you to do these things and you go, well, Jay, it might hurt. I'm like, yeah, it fucking hurts, man. It hurts like hell. Yeah, it does hurt. It's not easy. But you're not, I'm with you in this. You know, I'm not the leader, I'm the part of the community and I'm just doing the study and the hard work to work this stuff out to the best way to put it into simple language so we can think about, understand it and analyze and hopefully make this world a better place and that we don't only make just this world a better place but that we live well while we do it and we learn how to embrace these contradictions and these pains in the world. Um, loving the living dead is the next level. And I, I, and I said this earlier, but it's something that the LGBTQ, our LGBTQ siblings, I used to say brothers and sisters, but now I'll say siblings, um, could probably help us with. And I'm going to say that again. Because they've been there and they've gone through it for a long time of what it's like to be cut out from people that they love. You know, it's just, we want to simplify it and think, well, those people were toxic and so thank, you're better off, you know? And, and those are things that we tell ourselves too. Well, they were just horrible people. And no, there are people who were like told that this is what God wanted them to do and they were misled and they were misinformed and they were become huge, huge victims of misinformation. And now their misinformation is tearing their family apart and they don't even see it. I mean, they're, it's horrible. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel worse for those people because they, don't, they can't see it. Because I'm going to go make sure that my LGBTQ brother and sister are hugged and loved and said, you have family here. That's what I liked about the punk communities. You always had the family there, even when you were outcasted, you know. Um, but I also want to go back to the families and go, like, I want you to see, you got to understand, this is not the fruits of the spirit. This is not God. This is not religion. This is certainly not Christianity. I think it's natural for us to want to be loved and loved back and loved for who we are. And I think that's why grace is so amazing to me is because that it's there. You know, the, everybody uses the Bible to show each why God doesn't love you or accept you for the way you are. And then grace comes on the scene and goes, not only do I love and accept those people who you don't think I accept, I also accept you even though you're not doing the accepting and hopefully you'll, you'll wake up to this and, 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 and make it right. Um, because grace is with grace, that pure acceptance is when the change starts to happen. It's not when we're trying to change and do the right thing. It's when we realize that there's this acceptance, this, this, this that greater than ourselves, that we are accepted, just the way we are, not the way we should be. And within that freedom, we go, oh, I can do, uh, I could love this person, oh, I could drink this, oh, I can see this, I could do, th you know, I could be this, I can help, you know, because you don't feel like you're just there's this angry Santa Claus over there wanting to just, you know. Watch your every move. Um, I'm going to say this. This is the road less traveled, but I'm not leaving it. 
And I'm not leaving this world the same, I f same way I found it. At least not as much as I can. The system is broken. Our conventional thinking and acting isn't revolutionary. It's not revolutionizing the world. We've all got platforms now and we're not revolutionizing the world. We've become more turned against one another than we have ever before. And now we have a platform to fight that the wonderful overlord billionaires give us. We're on it right now, ironically. Um, but today to me, revolution means something deeper to me and not just this group of us, but definitely this group of us. But the word as well means something deeper to me than I could ever imagine. You know, when I talk to Josh and we talk about putting the services up and re getting things and, and we have someone sending us a, a, a computer, so hopefully we'll be able to make those changes now because we lost the last one. Um, but when me and John, I'm like, Josh, we're going to make a difference, man. Like, it might be delusions. It might be delusions of grandeur. But we're going to live in that delusion of grandeur, and we're just going to keep kicking forward. I mean, there's, it's consistency. I mean, I've been doing this for over 25 years, and I believe that there's something to this grace idea that will change the world, you know, or at least change the people who change the world. You know, it doesn't have to happen through me, you know. Um, or, 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 you know, but we might be that. And, and the cool thing is, is, is how important love plays a role in that. So like I said, I, I told you I was going to read the darkest, hardest verse in the Bible today. And I, I've read it many times before, um, you know me, because I love the darkness. But um, it's in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And I'm going to just kind of do a little quick overview of it. But... It starts out with saying love is patient. Isn't patience as fun? Um, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. And why this to me is a, such a dark verse is because when you're in the darkness and when you really are trying to love your enemies and when you are trying to love those who just don't want, don't seem to acknowledge you, um, it becomes very dark. Very, very dark. It does not insist on its own way um, which I think is interesting. Um, we could talk about that all day. Um, it's not irritable or resentful. Now, this seems almost unhuman. And I think in some ways it is talking about something that's on a higher level, a love that's on a higher level, because we're all going to have these issues. So no one's going to do this perfect. And that's another reason why it seems so dark and scary even though we read it at weddings all the time, like, hey, here's some impossible standards to live by. Good luck. You know, <laughs> why do people end divorce? I don't know, but if we stop reading Corinthians 13 at weddings, that might help. Um, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. And I really like that idea. 
is that it's not love is not asking us to rejoice that like rejoice that we're being beaten or rejoice that we're being rejected or rejoice that we're being ignored it doesn't rejoice in that and love isn't asking us to rejoice in it and that's important to remember because so many people are like oh i'm going to suffer with jesus and it's just so fantastic you know it just beat me and oh you know, but it's not, you don't have to rejoice. Now, there's other verses that say rejoice when you work because you'll, your expectations of God will be better. And that's great. And I'm sure they will be. But when you're in the moment, a little bit tough to do. Um, does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things and believes all things. And the idea of it bears these burdens and it bears these pains and it bears these ideas, but share one of your burdens with one another. And that's what it talks about. So when I get a text from Stephen, like, I know you don't want to talk right now, but I'm here. I know that I can say, okay, here's some burden. I know there's a few people I can just, Bleh. you know, I have to make sure I don't just do it to Pete because poor Pete just ends up carrying all my luggage. Um, it says it hopes all things. And this is the one that got me really excited is that it's this idea of hope is not something that's going to come true. It's just an idea that, you kind of want things to be better. And, and that's kind of why you do things, is because you, want, you, you kind of hope, and you, and you work out of this, this area where there's this kind of hope of, 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 of a better, of, 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 of a life lived well, or enduring suffering better, or having more patience, and that patience won't be as damn hard the next time, or the next situation. Uh, that you hope that this... There'll be resurrection in the death of the relationship. You know, you hold on to those things. So you can have your radical acceptance, live in those moments, but you can, don't have to let hope die because hope is part of love because you do love. You do love. You do care. You do want something that's better than the current situation you're in right now. You know, you want something completely different than where you're at now. And that's got hope in it. It feels so much like grief and like, oh, this will never happen, but just go it, just one day at a time. Just one day at a time. One day at a time. Um, it says it endures all things. And I wrote next to this, all things, exclamation point, exclamation point, question mark. You know? Um, so, the, so, so the Bible is asking us a lot of crazy shit. Um to do um, to endure a lot of stuff but this is the cool part is that that's just radical acceptance we're in a situation and we endure it or we can bury it with other things and fill the void with other things and go out and buy a bunch of stuff or go out and find another lover or go out and Find another group, you know, and we can do it and we can not mourn. But even like, you know, um, Freud would talks about like the idea is that you can't bury anything. It always comes back a monster, like even bury it worse. Like if you bury it, the longer it, it ferments under the ground, the worse it becomes out again. And it will come and get you unless you die in between that time. But mostly likely it will come back and haunt you and destroy you at a very strange time in your life. <laughs> because that's what trauma does. Uh, trauma lives unless we work through it, we mourn it, we go to counseling, we go to therapy, we talk to each other, we write journals, we listen to sad songs, we mourn. Um, and this is the cool thing, and so love, but love never ends. 
is part the beginning of eight. And you know what it says? It says everything else does. All the things that the church holds important, that's all shit. And it all goes away and it's all temporary. Everything's temporary, but love never ends. And so the one thing we can do to be revolutionary, to be revolutionized things, is continue to love to our abilities. And maybe try to learn how to build on those abilities by listening to talks, by reading books. Um, you know, by seeking out therapy, um, by seeking out good friends, because I know therapy is not available for everybody, unfortunately. And that's a whole nother talk. But, but love is what endures. And, and, and so how do we, what do we, do we want to leave an enduring impression on the world? I really do believe that grace and love is the way to do that. Um, I'm pretty weak at that right now, but I'm still encouraging you guys to do it, and I'm still really trying to do it, and I am talking to myself as much as I am to you guys. And um, I hope that if you get anything out of today, um, you, you understand that this is a place where brokenness lives, that this is a community where that is that is real and is not a show and is um, always going to strive for transparency and 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 live in, in truth um, so that's where we're at um, you know the rest so uh, hey sorry I wasn't here last week but family comes first. Just wanted to make sure I put that in. And um, that's another cool thing. This is a community that, man, it's just punk rock. We might not all have mohawks and look funny. <laughs> but this is part of punk rock, and it's also part of grace and part of Christianity. So, you know, also I think maybe laying ground for a new idea of what community should look like and even eventually communities and believers and church churches should look like as be a place where people can be human haphazardly human um and make sure you read zoe's text because i don't have the energy to do it um or ask it but zoe just put up a good thing so if you can do that god it would help um i'm just too tired to i love you guys thanks for listening Thanks for sticking in there with me today. And um, hopefully I'll see you next week. I have the kids. Uh, my kid, my child situation has kind of changed a little bit, but we'll see. Um, fingers crossed. I'll, I'll try to keep God first. Wink. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. 
To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.